www.brfcs.com. By the fans. For the fans. Since 1996. Welcome to BRFCS podcast number 47. I'm the BRFCS editor, Wen Wai Hu, and with me in the virtual studio today are Chief Reporter Cammy and Assistant Editor Eddie, and Glenn for BRFCS admin will also be joining us later. After nearly five weeks since the resignation of Steve Keane, Rovers have finally appointed Henning Berg as manager. In the meantime, we've been linked with everyone from Mick McCarthy and Ian Holloway to Tim Sherwood, Gary Flitcoft and Billy McKinley, and from Harry Redknapp to Maradona. At last, we've got a new manager, though, and BRFCS would like to welcome Henning Berg in back to the club, where he's been previously in two stints as a player. Just like to welcome in Cami uh, and Eddie, first of all, and then we'll get on with discussing uh, the new manager. Cami, how are you this morning? Morning, Ren. I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Yeah, good. How's things over in Blackburn? Yeah, it's all right. Bit cold, but uh, yeah, th- things are good apart from the results yesterday. Yeah, two uh, 0 defeat at Palace. Uh, not the best of starts for uh, for Henning, but uh, no. yeah, we'll we'll look at that uh, in a minute. Never mind. And uh, Eddie, uh, how are you? Yeah, fine as well, thank you. Yeah, good, good. Did you manage to get down to Palace at all? No, I'm in, I'm actually in France now, but I did manage to get the game on on uh, on TV, which is. Uh, Better than listening to the radio, I suppose, but it would have been good to be there. Yeah, good. You're hoping to have got Palace in on the way uh, back over to Paris, if I remember. Yes, but in the end I had to go a couple of days earlier, so it, it didn't work out. But I'll be back in England in, a, in about ten days, so I'll be hitting a few more matches then. Good. So uh, we'll just start off with the discussion of Henningberg. Uh, he was appointed... Uh, manager this last week and uh, it's brought to an end nearly five weeks of uh, speculation an unbelievable list of people that was linked with uh, with the Rovers so Cammy, uh, if we could start off uh, by looking at uh, the appointment of Henning Berg this this past week did you manage to get along to the press conference yeah yeah I was at the press conference um, I mean going back uh, just couple of steps before the press conference obviously we had our podcast last Sunday and uh, no one knew anything about Henning Berg becoming the new manager uh, I think it was something that really came to the fore on late on Sunday evening uh, where it became apparent after Andy Cryer did his Telegraph article that Henning Berg was going to be interviewed on Monday even at that stage uh, most people thought that it was just out of courtesy because he was on the shortlist uh, they were going to interview him but not many people thought that he would actually get the job. Uh, but obviously he came into Manchester, uh, they held the interview at a hotel very close to the airport, uh, I believe it was for about two hours or so, and that he, during his interview he blew the socks off uh, Shebby and uh, Derek Shaw and Paul Agnew. Uh, they all went away from that interview very, very impressed, and you know, between them he became the favourite for the job. Uh, obviously on Tuesday they were due to talk to Harry Redknapp's representatives Uh, it wasn't Harry Redknapp they were talking to it was his agent uh, Paul Stretford Uh, he came and had a meeting with 
with Shaw and with, with Chebby and uh, that meeting didn't go too well from all accounts and he then quickly, uh, he Harry Redknapp sorry, went on television and quickly ruled himself uh, out of, of the running for the Rovers job. So then it was pretty much a straight fight between Henningberg and uh, Ian Holloway uh, and it looks like, well it is, it doesn't look like it is uh, uh, the recommendation that uh, Shebby in particular gave uh, regarding Henningberg which the owners took and appointed him as new manager. Yeah. Uh, going back to the Harry Redknapp link, um, do you think that uh, he was uh, absolutely serious about coming uh, to the Rovers? I think there was uh, some serious intent of him coming to Rovers, otherwise he would have sent his representative to talk to Rovers. Uh, I suspect he was also using Rovers' interest uh, to put a bit of pressure on QPR and Southampton. Uh, what the reasons for the breakdown between Shebby and and uh, Shaw and his agent, God knows what was discussed, but I suspect his demands uh, were more than what Rovers were willing to, to match, and I suspect that's part of the reason as to why uh, he was appointed. Uh, but the fact that he sent his agent to talk to Rovers uh, would suggest that he was at least interested in the job, but you know, I think it was always a long shot in terms of uh, him being appointed. And in the uh, final round of uh, talks, uh, you're saying it was only Ian Holloway, Harry Redknapp and Henning Burke. Was uh, Mick McCarthy already uh, discarded, as it were, by then? Yeah, I think Mick McCarthy, no one really fancied him. Uh, that was more my own favourite for the job. Uh, I think he was... He was uh, already discarded. I think they talked to another manager last Friday. I suspect that was Gus Poyer, although I can't prove it. And I think Gus uh, ruled himself out, because Shebby did say that they talked to two other managers and those managers actually ruled themselves out of the process. Uh, so there were five people on the shortlist. Uh, uh, Holloway, uh, Redknapp, uh, Berg, and there were two other people who ruled themselves out. I think one of the people that they talked to was Gus Poyer who, who ruled himself out. Right, yeah. Yeah, you were uh, hinting strongly in the last podcast about Gus Poyer, but uh, yeah, nothing came of that in the end. Now, H- Henning Berg, um, I was reading somewhere that possibly uh, he may have been in touch with, uh, with the owners or, or with the club from the very outset. Um, have you heard anything about that? Yeah, he put his name forward to Derek Shaw uh, about uh, within a week of Steve Keane resigning. So, you know, Henningberg contacted Derek Shaw and he, he expressed his interest in the job. Uh, Derek has subsequently said that he took his details down uh, and then obviously during the shortlisting process they, they got in touch with him. So, so yeah, definitely Henning put his name forward to be the new manager uh, and, and uh, you know, he was made to wait three or four weeks uh, while Rovers got the shortlist together. And then subsequently, he's, uh, Henningberg himself has said he's talked to the owners. So prior to taking the job, he must have had a meeting you know, via conference call probably uh, with, the, with the owners as well, uh, where they've given him whatever reassurances he wanted. Because uh, in the summer, Henning was very critical of the way the club was being run. And he, you know, he even said that... Uh, no credible manager w- w- would take this job. So for him now to take the job four or five months later, 
uh, that's a big turnaround. Uh, so I think he, he would have had to have had some assurances from the owners uh, before he did that. So Henning Berg coming in, uh, in the end it was uh, something of a surprise, but he's got the uh, unanimous um, support of uh, Shaw, Agnew and of course Shebby, uh, which uh, you know at the end of the five weeks is, uh, is actually wonderful that they can actually agree on someone. Uh, for most of that time they were pulling and pushing in different directions at Kami. Yeah, and you know, Shaw still being a bit naughty came out in the press, I think, on Friday and he said that uh, uh, Henning wasn't the first choice and he went into a bit of the, about the process uh, and, and you know, he, was, he was honest enough to admit that he disagreed with, with Shebby the, on the direction of things but uh, and that, that uh, Henning wasn't the first choice. Uh, personally, I wouldn't have said that. Uh, you've appointed the manager. There's no need to make comments like that. But anyway, he has done. Uh, but you know, he's. I think I think there's still disagreements there, and I don't think they're all 100% happy. I think uh, Shaw would definitely have liked someone like Holloway, but at least you know Berg's in. At least he did impress all three of them, and hopefully, the upper echelons of Rovers management, i.e., uh, Shebby, uh, Shaw, and Agnew, can put their differences aside and start uh, to work together because there is no way that the club can go forward. If you have uh, you know, the three most influential people at the club uh, arguing between each other, Eddie, what do you what do you think about Henningberg's appointment? It's sort of grown on me. When it when it first happened, I was a little bit underwhelmed, and my feeling was that we should have gone for someone a bit more experienced. But having, I thought he's so far he's what he said. I've been impressed by. Um, obviously, I have to be a bit careful of that after the whole Steve Keane does a good presser. Um, and that stuff but so far he's impressed me in that respect and you know yesterday although we lost I also I, I was interested in the changes that he made and you know I thought he did some some good things there so I think it's could be a good appointment um, I would have as it's so important that we go back up this year I would have preferred that we appointed someone a bit more experienced but um, you know, it's it's a gamble, but not the not the biggest gamble in the world, and it could turn out to be a very good appointment. I mean, I I agree. Uh, uh, I think a lot of people were underwhelmed uh, to begin with. Uh, I think there there was a bit of shock when it, when it became apparent that he was going to become the new manager. Uh, but listening to him and listening to some of the stuff that uh, Norwegian journalists have been telling me, and my big one big concern was that maybe he was going to be a puppet. That uh, that Shebby had bought in that he wanted someone that he could influence uh, from talking to uh, not just one but a, a whole whole load of different uh, journalists from Norway and people who follow Norwegian football. They've all said to me that that uh, you know Henning is as far removed as you can get from a puppet. Uh, he took on the very very influential owner of of Lilstrom. That was his last job. Uh, and and they said compared to that owner Shebby's a poodle, so so that there's no way that he'll allow Shebby to influence or try and run team matters. He knows what he wants, and he'll go out there and, and do it. And if if someone 
tries to interfere in that process, then he'll take he'll definitely take him on. So so for me, that's a good thing that he's got his own mind. Uh, listening to some of the comments uh, from our Norwegian posters on BRFs, yes, uh, you know you know I'm I'm very very encouraged by what they're saying. So hopefully, uh, you know you know they've actually made, managed to make a good appointment. Yeah, I was hoping uh, that perhaps we could get uh, one of the Norwegian guys on today's podcast for a few comments. Uh, uh, Puff's son, uh, one of our posters, has uh, put on a pretty good summary of uh, Henning Berg's uh, time in in, uh, in management in Norway upon one of the uh, threads. Um, it's a, a good read there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the main thing is everyone gets behind Henning Berg now. He's the new manager. Um, I think we all need to support him, even if he wasn't our first choice. I think we need to get behind him and give him a chance. Uh, it's absolutely vital that the club tries to go up this year, and you know the supporters need to do their bit. Uh, you know whether you're happy or not happy, that's it's the the deed has been done now. You know he's a new manager, so we've got to try and get behind him and give him as much support as as we can. I mean the the very good thing with Henning is he has he's a former Rovers player. Uh, he he understands the fans. He understands the area. He knows what we want. Uh, so I, that's his advantage. And the the one thing I was really impressed by was, uh, and I I don't think he's been picked up by the media much. But when the press conference on uh, Thursday had finished, on Wednesday sorry had finished, uh, what what on sorry and what he did was there was a photo call on the pitch, uh, which you know, so he went on the pitch and. They were taking photographs and he had all of the shirt and they were you know his name was on the back, but he turned the shirt round and he told the fo- and he touched the badge, and he said this is what's the real important thing so take a photograph of me, uh, with the badge rather than my name on the back. Uh, I think that was really really good that that he did that and it shows that he does care about the club. Uh, he's been put under a little bit of pressure uh, from the off. Um, Derek Shaw, of course, saying that he wasn't the first choice, may not have been the best choice of words, but uh, more than that, uh, Shebby has uh, essentially said that it's promotion or or bust, uh, that the minimum expectation uh, is promotion. Uh, do you think that uh, Henning will just take that on his shoulders and you know shrug it off? Yeah, I I mean Henning would have been told during the interview process as well that that's that that's what is expected. Shebby's pretty much you know saying has said that since day one since he arrived and I think the spending that they're doing and are likely to do in in January is all geared towards getting up this year so uh, you know he I mean Henny would have known this before Shebby uttered it publicly uh, uh, you know he would have been told that by you know that they need to get up uh, and, and you know so I don't think that'll affect him in any way he, he would have known that already and and Shebby's he has many faults to Shebby, but one of the things you can't fault him on is he's very straight with you, so he'll tell you straight to your face what he wants and and you know it sometimes rubs people up the wrong way but uh you know he's in that respect he's he's very good he always tells you straight to your face uh, what he wants yeah uh eddie uh have you uh, any thoughts on Henning being able to cope with everything well clearly i mean Obviously, I don't know a tremendous amount about his time in Norway, but it it is clear that he, you know, he's his own man, and so that you know that's a positive. As for the promotion of bust, uh, 
that's pressure, but I suppose it's pressure that he would have felt, even if Shebi Singh hadn't said anything about it. That's the expectation, really, of the supporters. I think he would have struggled if he'd come in and said that this year was a rebuilding year and that, you know, he needed a full pre-season to, to sort of sufficiently prepare the side. You know, that that wouldn't really wouldn't have pleased the supporters. So, it, it's, it, you know, if we finish 11th yeah. or 12th this season, I think that the, the pressure from the fans would have been to sack him anyway. So, it seems this, you know, He's only saying what everyone is probably thinking. I, hopefully he handles it. He, at least in his press conference after the match yesterday, appeared to be honest about uh, the disappointment of the performance and um, that you know the players had, had just not, not, not played the way that, we, that he had hoped. And um, you know, that, again, that's an encouraging sign. And honesty will hopefully keep, help keep the supporters on his side. Yeah. Now, you mentioned rebuilding there. Uh, he's come in and said that uh, he'll, first of all, take a look around and see what uh, the backroom staff uh, are, are, are capable of before making any decisions. Uh, he's now seen firsthand how, how we've uh, played against Crystal Palace. Presumably, he'll, he'll now be, uh, in the next few days, uh, looking at whether to replace the backroom staff or not. Cami, uh, have you heard anything about that? Yeah, I think he's got to give the existing backroom staff a chance so he wants to get to know him uh, he's you know he, he not met any of them before he knew Colin Hendry as a player uh, but but not as a as a coach so I think he's going to go through a process of getting to know him uh, to see if they fit in with the way he likes to work whether they fit in with his footballing philosophies if they do then uh, they'll 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 remain if they don't then I'm, he'll he'll look to change it but I, I can't see him making any decisions on backroom staff in the next week or so. I think he needs a bit longer than that. Uh, so it could be a couple of weeks while he assesses them and, and decides whether they they are what he wants or whether he wants to bring his own, own people in. He may you know, decide to bring a, another coach in anyway uh, because uh, you know we are light on that front. Maybe he wants to bring someone in who understands his philosophies from the off and then that person can help him you know, re-educate the coaches that we've got there in terms of what Henning wants. So so I think we might see one person coming in anyway, but whether, you know, Eric Black leaves or Colin Hendry leaves or, or, or whatever, I think those decisions won't be made straight away. I think he will give them a chance to see what they can do and whether they fit in with, with what he wants, and then he'll make a decision from there. And do you think that he has uh, free reign to uh, to call the shots in, in that respect? Yeah, I mean, he was asked this and he said, yeah, he's got absolute free reign on that aspect of the club. And again, if you go back to what people are saying in terms of he doesn't like any interference, then, you know, if, you know I think he will have, the minimum he would have asked for is to have free reign on signing players and, and appointing his own staff. So, again, I would, I would say that, that he has got free reign to do that. Do you know if he's been promised a budget for the January window? He has been promised a budget. I don't know what the budget is, but uh, he has been promised back again in January. So uh, so there is a budget there for January. God knows what it is, but uh, I think that's one of the conditions of him uh, taking the job was that he would be backed in January. Also, the loan market, I think, is still open for championship clubs. So don't be surprised if he's uh, bringing some loan players in before January, if, if that's still possible. 
maybe from United, where he's talked to Alex Ferguson in the last few weeks a couple of times, so you may see some of the uh, United youngsters coming in. Do you have any ideas as to who he might be interested in uh, as an assistant uh, manager and uh, as you know first team coach? I don't. To be honest, I don't. Uh, you know, it's uh, you know I don't know what his coaching philosophy etc. Uh, is like. So so I don't know. No. Right. Now. Uh, we have been looking for a manager at the same time as uh, uh, yesterday's opponents, Crystal Palace, uh, also uh, Ipswich, uh, as well as uh, local rivals, Bolton and Burnley. Uh, they've all appointed in this last week. Uh, Ian Holloway has gone to Palace. Um, he was uh, sat in the stands yesterday, I believe. Uh, Mick McCarthy has gone to Ipswich. Uh, they got a victory yesterday. Uh, Dougie Friedman uh, at Bolton, uh, they came back from uh, 1-0 down to, to win. And uh, Sean Dyke uh, has uh, taken over at Burnley, and uh, I believe they managed to avoid defeat. So that's all pretty good all around, uh, and Rovers have lost 2-0. Uh, there's a lot of people saying, oh, well, you know, if we'd have got uh, Holloway or McCarthy, or even Friedman, that, uh, you know, it would have been a far better choice. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I think it's difficult. I, I, obviously, the other teams all had did had better first results, but you know you can't really judge them, judge them based on the first game. And uh, with the exception of Bolton against Cardiff, um, we had you know the toughest fixture. Um, what I would say is, I'm, I mean, for example, Crystal Palace yesterday, Holloway wasn't in charge, um, and so they seemed to keep. You know the same same approach that they've had previously. Berg made a lot of changes yesterday, and that's going to take a little bit of time to to, to for the rest of the, for the team to adjust and to get used to playing with each other in a, in that in that style. So I think he cer- he certainly needs a few weeks before we can even start to compare him with some of the other appointments. In terms of I, I wasn't I didn't want McCarthy, uh, and I didn't really want Dougie Friedman. So the only one who I, I thought was could have potentially been a good appointment was Holloway, um, but you know none of them are people. None of them are managers who who you are just incredibly impressed by. I think you know they all have some sort of drawback, and so the, having gone with Henningberg, I think we just have to look at the positives and hope that he turns out to be the right man for the job. I think yesterday was encouraging. And um, hopefully, you know, it continues. Uh, yeah, um, obviously, I'm a big Mick McCarthy fan. Uh, he was my choice for the manager. Um, I think he's got a proven record at this level, uh, and and that's that's very important. So I think with our current squad and with his proven record, he would have got us up this year. Uh, so I would have gone for Mick McCarthy. I, I can understand why a lot of people don't want him, but I was just looking at. At purely at this season and the need for us to go up and I thought Mick McCarthy would, would give us a good chance. Uh, Ian Holloway was the one interesting appointment. Uh, he's done a very, very good job at Blackpool um, and, and I think he was a fan's choice. Um, I had some reservations in terms of whether he was tactically good enough uh, as a manager and uh, you know defensively his teams have struggled and, and that's a big 
problem area for Rovers. But there's no doubt if he was a Martinez manager, he would have got the the club buzzing. Uh, he's got a very infectious personality. I think the players would have liked working with him. So, so I I, I had no problem with him being appointed. Dougie Friedman is very very highly rated within the game. Uh, and uh, you know loads of people that I talk to who I respect uh, within the game are saying that this guy has the potential to go on to very big big things. The the job he's done at Crystal Palace is nothing short of amazing. Uh, the team that played yesterday against Rovers was the team that Dougie built. built. Remember when he took over, they were in the relegation zone and they were uh, under a transfer ban. And so he, you know, within the space of two and a half years, he's taken a team with very, very minimal spending, brought in a whole bunch of youngsters and transformed them into a team that could potentially challenge for for promotion. The squad depth that they have there is isn't isn't great and that's the reason why he left because he wanted the board to spend some money uh, so that he could bring some loan players in and when they said no he decided to leave but uh, I think he's uh, he's a very very good and very astute uh, appointment by Bolton and I think given time he, he he'll do a very very good job there so uh, Friedman would have been one that uh, I would have liked to Rovers but we've got Eddie Berg you know like as I said earlier, people need to give him time. You know, he's only had two training sessions with the players. Absolutely, that's no no way that he can affect their performances in the space of just two training sessions. In the next week, uh, we've got uh, two games. You know, uh, a Huddersfield on Tuesday, Birmingham on Saturday. So again, very very minimal time for him to work with the players. Uh, I think after that, there's a clear week. So maybe that's when he can start doing some real work with the players. And, and, and get them playing the way he wants but he needs 7 or 8, 9 games before he can even start to affect some of their performances so people need to be patient and give him time and you know there were a lot of knee-jerk reactions yesterday saying oh he's not good enough well you know he's he's had virtually no time with them you know so he needs 8 or 9 games before he can even start to, to, to judge him and uh, the one person that you didn't mention was the new Burnley manager Sean Dyke as long as Henning has got his act together before we play Burnley, I suppose that's the important thing, is it? Yeah, uh, Sean Dyche is again, uh, people seem to rate him. Uh, he's not someone I've really thought much about, but uh, uh, you know, I think I listened to his press conference and he, he talked a lot of sense uh, on, on, on when he was in Vale. So, so yeah, uh, I think he could do a good job for them and we definitely need to have our house in order before we, we go to to play them uh, on the 2nd of December because uh, that's going to be absolutely massive game for us. Now, yesterday was the Crystal Palace match. Um, uh, Ian Holloway wasn't uh, wasn't actually taking the team as such, uh, but uh, as you say, it was uh, Dougie Friedman's, uh, uh, essentially Dougie Friedman's setup. Uh, now, 2-0, uh, they scored a goal in each half. Uh, Eddie, what did uh, what did you make of the uh, the the match as a whole? Uh, we weren't very good. Um, just, I mean, it's the same problems as we've had for a while, really. The the midfield just wasn't good enough, and we we couldn't really retain possession and stay in the match. Atuhu and Murphy were um, pretty much useless, in all honesty. They 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 played far too deep. Uh, there's no drive coming out of the centre of midfield, and so as a result of that. Uh, you know, Rhodes was completely isolated, and we weren't able to mount any sort of sustained pressure. The only moment when that changed was when uh, Berg made three 
second half substitutions and brought on uh, Rashina, uh, Formica and uh, Vuksevic and at that point we uh, looked more threatening and but you know you can't really judge him he, he on based on that match I mean with only a few days to prepare and he did change quite a lot I mean it was a you know we had four four new players four players come into the starting lineup who hadn't been playing in the last match and then you look at the fact that he you know someone like Vuksevic was used as a substitute when previously he hadn't even been included in match day squads so it will take some adjustment, but I think there was his use of players was encouraging, but the tactics and actual performance weren't. Cami, did you uh, manage to see any of the game? I didn't see it live or or anything. I listened to it on the radio, and um, it's hard to comment on stuff that you see uh, listen to on the radio. But the, what the commentators were saying back up what Eddie has just said in terms of uh, there were a lot of changes. Uh, so it's good to see Vukcevic back. Uh, uh, previously, we've been told Henning likes to have pace on in the wide areas, and that's probably the reason why both the Olsen brothers play. Uh, but from what the commentators were saying, Murphy and the two who, uh, again, didn't have the best games, and, and the midfield wasn't really giving any cover to the defence, and that seemed to expose us quite a bit. Uh, so, yeah, the performance wasn't all that great. Uh, but I think we need time for whatever Henning wants to be done to, to bed in and, and then take it from there. Yeah. It was interesting that uh, he had uh, Morton Gans Pedersen uh, on the wing. Uh, I believe he was on the right wing, is that right? Yeah, he played on the right-hand side and uh, Marcus Alderson played on the left-hand side. Uh, uh, again, Morton has played the right-hand side many, many times in his Rovers career, so... It's not a position that's alien to him. He's two-footed, so he's equally comfortable on the right as he is on the left. So, uh, again, that, that's that's not an issue to him. Uh, from what the commentators were saying, uh, when Rochina came on, uh, he seemed to have a good impact in terms of uh, giving us some attacking threat. Uh, uh, I believe Kazim Richards' uh, performance wasn't all that great again, and there seemed to be some comments regarding his attitude in terms of when he was taken off, he wasn't, wasn't very happy. Uh, so, again, that's a, probably an issue that, that needs to be to looked at. Yeah, his attitude throughout the match was not, was not impressive. And, and, yes, when he was substituted off, he kind of ambled off the pitch in a very um, disinterested fashion. It wasn't exactly what you want to see from a, someone coming off when they've played poorly and the team is losing. Yeah, I noticed this at the, uh, the last home game uh, where he obviously took the penalty of Georgia Rhodes, but his general attitude wasn't very good. He was flapping his hands around all the time and uh, wasn't chasing back at, at, at occasions. And it seemed to me that he thought he was too good for this league, but uh, his performances haven't been like that since his injury. So there does seem to have been a, a shift in his attitude. Uh, someone who I follow on Twitter was saying that uh, Sheffield United fans, where he'd been previously, had said to, to, to him, that he starts off well, but uh, soon he descends into you know, petulant kind of behaviour. That's what seems to be happening with Rovers. Uh, uh, again, that would be a good test of any Berg to see if he can turn his attitude around, because he definitely has got ability, but uh, his attitude seems to get in his way wherever he goes. And Henley was at uh, full-back. How did he play? I thought he was great. Um, you know, for someone so young 
and inexperienced. And I mean, he, he was probably facing the most difficult challenge he could face in this face in this division in in Zaha, um, you know, who looked. That was I think on the second time I've seen Zaha, and he really looks a, a good player. I mean, he was by far the best player on the pitch. Uh, I mean, by miles. And so he did a reasonably good job of containing him. I mean, as good of a job as you could have expected. Zaha was still a constant threat, but that was always going to be the case. So for someone sort of stepping in, uh, it was it was a good performance. Yeah, I mean, Zaha is by heads and shoulders above anyone else in this league. Uh, so for Henley to you know, have a decent performance against him shows that uh, you know he's he's really good and and needs to be given extended run in the first team. I've not been impressed by Bradley Orr uh, last few games. I think he makes too many mistakes. Uh, he doesn't offer anything going forward. So Henley, who's quick and he can get forward, I think he needs to be given an extended run in the side. And hopefully Henning is going to do that. Moving on, we've got two big games this week. Uh, you know, we've got Huddersfield on Tuesday, followed by uh, Birmingham on Saturday, so uh, you know we need to be picking points up, maybe four points from those two games just to stay in contention, and then uh, you know hopefully by that time Henning can start to have some effect on on the way the team is playing. So yeah, uh, hopefully get a, if we can beat Huddersfield, that sets us up really nice for the Birmingham game on Saturday. But I would say minimum if we can get a point at Huddersfield on Tuesday and then you know beat Birmingham on Saturday, that at least will keep us in and around the playoff area. You're getting along to the Huddersfield match? Yeah, I'll be at the Huddersfield game uh, and, and you know, hopefully we can see a little bit better performance and, and we can pick the points up. The big problem is uh, Middlesbrough are on a fantastic run. Uh, Cardiff lost yesterday and Leicester lost yesterday, so that was good. Uh, but we don't want too big a gap developing between the top three and us. Uh, and, and and that's why we need to keep continuously picking points up uh, while we go through this readjustment period under Henning uh, we still need to try and keep picking points up so that we stay in contention and then hopefully Henning can get the team playing the way he wants and then we can go on a run and, and start to pressurise uh, the top two sides, top three sides what we don't want is to fall too far behind the top three and then you put yourself under immense pressure uh, uh, to go on a you know a run massive run then to to try and get back in, uh, into contention if we can just stay in around those playoffs areas maybe five or six points behind the top two then it's not it's something that can be turned around but if you fall 14 15 points behind the leaders then really the best you can hope for is a playoff place and well, obviously the playoffs can be a bit of a lottery well Huddersfield away. Uh, hopefully, Jordan Rhodes will get a, a, a decent uh, welcome back uh, from the Huddersfield fans. That uh, you'll be able to tell us about that next uh, podcast. Um, just moving on from the football uh, to some club news. Um, we heard this last week in the Guardian, I believe, that Steve Keane's constructive dismissal case may have been settled out of court. Shebby was quoted in the Guardian, I believe, uh, as saying such. Kami, do, do you have uh, the story on that at all? Uh, no, I mean, I'll, I will chase it up tomorrow, um, but at the moment I don't know if it's been settled or not. I know there was this case pending, um, and 
uh, we'll need to check in the next day or so to see if it has been settled. So at the moment, uh, obviously it's appeared in the Guardian, so they don't usually print stuff that they they don't believe to be true. So uh, I give it a lot of credence if it's if it's in the Guardian, but uh, we'll try and um, chase it up over the next day or so to see if we can find out um, you know whether it's true. Uh, but if it has been settled, then it's good because we we can move on from that nightmare period of the club. Uh, you know that means. Everything relating to Steve Keane has been done and dusted and the club can move on. Um, I, I suspect they would have gone for a settlement because there's no guarantee that we would have won had we gone to court and I suspect the legal bills would have been quite high. So if it is one and a half million then, then that's probably a sensible thing because uh, you know, it would have cost us maybe a lot more when you put in, in the legal bills if it went if it went to a, a tribunal. More important is that uh, uh, Rovers can just get on with uh, uh, getting their act together again and uh, acting like a real football club again. But, uh, the, the Rovers have had their name dragged through the mud enough in the last couple of years, so hopefully that can be settled sooner rather than later, as you say. Now, uh, news in brief, we've uh, already mentioned uh, last week that uh, the Rovers Trust uh, has its official launch on the 24th of November and will hopefully be having someone on from the Rovers Trust uh, on, a, on a coming podcast to discuss uh, the, the launch itself. Meanwhile, this past week, the reserve team played uh, against Norwich, went 3-0 down but came back to 3-2. Uh, didn't manage to get the uh, equaliser, unfortunately. Tim Payne, the New Zealand striker, scored, uh, but Greg Sandomierski was taken to hospital with concussion, unfortunately, and uh, hope that uh, he's okay now. I think that, Cammy, you were hoping to get on to that game, but I don't believe you managed it in the end. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, um, I wasn't able to, to go down to that game, um, and, and I was hoping to go to both reserve games this week, but uh, I, I wasn't able to go down. Um, so, so, yeah, not able to comment on what happened there. So, if we move on to uh, podcast sponsorship now, Glenn is going to join us to discuss this. Uh, we've finally got uh, some sponsorship for our podcasts. We're now on number 47, but we've actually done over 50 podcasts so far. Uh, Glenn, uh, what, uh, what's the, uh, the news with regards to sponsorship of, of our podcasts? Yeah, hi, Wen. Um most of our listeners probably know um, BFCS is run as a, a non-profit making um, setup. None of us take any money out of it for what we do, um, and any money we do get in, in the likes of advertising goes back to pay for things like um, the podcast hosting, the website, um, the community projects that we do, like the raising of the crofting and things like that. So we're, we're always on the lookout for ways of making new money, and um, it seems that the traffic we've been getting on the podcast, the sheer number of people that are downloading it at the moment, caught a few people's eye. And um, just on the way back from Palace yesterday, and Cammy gives me a call and says that um, Utility Flex, who are part of the Uswitch group, um, would love to um, enter in a deal with us where if um, if we promote them on the on the podcast and um, we get some of our members to go to and use their service and using the code BRFCS1, We'll get uh, a little bit of money back in return, and in, you know we can then recycle that and carry on giving all that, all the um, the great features that we do, and um, you know that we do for free anyway. Um, 
I'm sure at the end of this podcast we'll be um, giving out a link to, to somewhere on the website that we can go and give you the full details for that. I know from from my own point, I've been a, a big U-Switch user for many, many years. It's um, constantly been saving me money on me, me gas and me electric. Um, one of these services, you give them details of who you're currently with and what your current usage is, and they'll come back and um, give you an alternative and a better deal to go on. And you know, every 12 months, I give them uh, well, every 12 months I go online, but we can alternatively give them a call. And they've been um, each time managed to lower my my annual bill each time. So, thank you very very much to Utility Flex, and um, hopefully we're going to go forward from there. And um, if anybody else is interested in sponsoring either the podcast or any other part of all the the free services we provide, just um, drop us an email. Yeah. Uh, so basically, when people ring up uh, Utility Flex or USwitch, uh, they give the code BRFCS1, and uh, that will mean that we get uh, some kickback or something absolutely yep exactly that um so it, it's a great service i've got no qualms um advertising even before the sponsorship um so yeah they just ring up give give bifcs one as their reference and um, we get a, a little thank you in a, a monetary form from them yeah i mean what they'll need to do is uh, you can ring them up on 01254 uh, or you can email them at info at utilityflex.co.uk. Uh, those are the two ways of contacting them. Uh, but yeah, as, as Glenn has said, if if you ring them up or send them an email, please quote BRFTS1, uh, and that'll then you know help the website in the in the long run. And uh, you know all we're asking you to do is just to get a quote off them. You know you're not committed to anything. They'll look at what you're paying for your gas and electric, and then let you know whether there's something cheaper available with one of with one of the suppliers yeah that's good and, and another um additional use for services like this which always helps which is when the people come around knocking on your door trying to get into exactly the same if you just mention oh sorry i use use switch already they go away straight away because they know they can't beat them so um that's been my standard answer to door knockers for years trying to get me to change my gas and electric it just seems that use switch and magic words to make them disappear i'll have to try that one <laughs> I don't know if you switch got a big, um, big presence out in your part of the world. Yeah, we'll we'll have to tell them to set one up in Japan. Uh, no one knocks on my door. I seem to tell you. Uh, but it's great, uh, great that we've got uh, sponsorship for the podcast. Um, the numbers that we're getting, hitting the 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 podcast server is quite phenomenal. Uh, so uh, um, we've we've actually just recently moved over to uh, a new server. Uh, um, Biddy put all the work in uh, about three, four weeks ago when when we moved over. So uh, uh, the the extra costs involved uh, really need to be covered. As you say, Glenn, people put the work in, put the time in, uh, free of charge. Um, Josh, who does the uh, recording and the production of podcasts, uh, puts in uh, an amazing amount of time doing the uh, editing and stuff. Um, of course, uh, Eddie, um, he's uh, doing the uh, work on, on the match days. Uh, that's all free of charge. Cami, uh, of course, uh, does all of this work for us, uh, putting things together. And, uh, as you know, he's a professional journalist, but uh, he doesn't get a, a single penny out of uh, his uh, uh, articles uh, or the, the leads that he gets. Uh, and uh, he doesn't even get a, a, anything for appearances on the podcast <laughs> apart from our eternal um, 
thanks and um, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but while we're actually talking about people like that, actually, guys, um, there's we're we're all quite lucky in so much that um, you know we we all have full time um, paying nice salary jobs and um, to, to keep us going. But when we first started doing these po- podcasts, Josh came on board as a a media student that was interested in sound editing and said, I can do that, um, can I help out? And he did. It's probably worth also mentioning now um, that Josh is actually, he's formed Josh Boswell Media and the, the sort of stuff that he kindly does for us for free, he'll quite happily do for other people for a fee. I know that he's been doing sort of quite a lot of sound and video related projects um, for various people recently, so um, yeah. We're none of us make any money out of it, but Josh might as well have a free advert for it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, on that score, we're we're actually tossing around an idea at the moment to to get someone in to help out with the news site. Uh, we'll be announcing that over the next few days, I believe, Glenn. Yeah, um, I've just been checking through the legalities of that and um, putting together the the first round of copy for um, you and your role as um, as editor there. Went to to check through. Essentially, where, um, where this has come from is we've worked out that between us all, we've got years worth of experience in all sorts of different areas of journalism, publishing, editing, copywriting. Um, We also have loads of great ideas, but as I mentioned before, we're all in full-time employment, we all have families to look after, so we quite often don't have the time to to implement half the ideas we'd like to. Um, But it was a shame to let all this great talent and experience and contacts go to waste, so an idea we've been throwing around that we should be launching fairly soon is we want to take somebody on board um, essentially as a journalism volunteer. We have to be very careful not to call them an intern because there are legal um, complications with that. But essentially we're looking for somebody to work alongside um, Wen and Cami as a, as a, um, as a journalist um, to make use of our, um, our contacts, our you know, sort of industry insiders, the people that we talk to at the club, um, hopefully get you access to things like the press conference, give you the ability to actually get your um, content out there and seen and officially published so it builds up a bit of a portfolio for you, help towards getting your press accreditation, that sort of thing. So um, we're still looking through the, the final details of that. As I say, one of the things that now we've got bigger is we can't just you know come up with an idea, shout about it and do it. We have to make sure that it's all legal and above board. But um, yeah, we're hoping very, very soon to have something up on the website about that. Yeah, the behind the scenes, uh, it's phenomenal the amount of work that goes into it. Um, obviously, I, I think most of our long-term members realise the amount of work that goes into it and appreciate it. But uh, the technical expertise is, is quite, quite phenomenal as well. Um, people like yourself and, and Biddy, um, Steve also, uh, have got a tremendous uh, um, wealth of knowledge in that area. Put put it together so well, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I'd hate to think as an organisation what it costs to run us, because, yeah, we've got lots of very good specialists in their field at doing whatever, you know, doing what they do for their day job, then also spending their evenings doing it for us for free as well, and say, the the undertaking from getting from one server to another with with very few hiccups, um, a slightly embarrassing moment where we lost a a, a blog post, a high-profile blog post, and the odd login problem here and there, but we've We've now moved from, um, you know, essentially moved um, servers from one country to another with almost no downtime, thanks to Biddy's hard work. Um, we're now on something much bigger, much faster. So um, even when um, 
you know, we, we have our, our own 11 o'clockers um, to, to coin a phrase from a few years ago. The site should now cope. We're now hosting the podcasts ourselves. So that's, um, yeah, it, it, it's all been, it's been quite an exercise. There's a lot of planning gone into it and people don't see what's happening behind that. But um, again, it's just like um, the, the news side. People just assume that Cammy gets up in the morning and has a great idea and writes an article, but um, he doesn't realise that that's all been proofread and um, copy-checked and fact-checked and um, then published and yeah, the, the, just the work that goes into it. I mean, to be fair, right across the site, and everything we do is, we've got a great army of volunteers. Um, Andy, um, none of the former Furnace Rovers, who runs um, Penn and Lancashire Accountancy, helps us keep the accounts up to date, which is another expense that... Um, you know, would would otherwise be a lot larger. Um, Dawn, when she organised the um, raising of the coffin thing, I know we joked about it on the podcast before, but the health and safety paperwork she had to fill in for that is just, it was nuts. You know, everyone thinks, that, oh, well, walking 200 yards with a polystyrene coffin, that can't be too hard to organise, but um, Blackburn Council had other ideas. So, yeah, a lot of people, a lot of work, and um, things like the, the U-switch agreement brings in a little bit of money just so that we can pay for the odd thing here and there to make it a bit easier and one other interesting aspect is uh, uh, you're saying you know the amount of work that for example Cami puts into that very often what happens with uh, articles is that they never appear because because of the nature of the uh, uh, you know the the the, the media work that uh, he's involved in uh, very often uh, he, he cannot publish uh, which is rather interesting, all that work that's going on behind the scenes. Yeah? Absolutely. I mean, the the um, list of saved non-published articles is quite eye-opening in itself. Some of the stories that we almost ran and didn't, that either became old news or something happened that put them, um, you know, put a different light on them or, um, you know, the, the, the facts were changing so fast. And, um, yeah, that, that's... It, it, it's... It is quite amazing to see the stuff that never actually made it out there. Um, um, we've got at least three keen sacked posts up there that never saw the light of day because <laughs> in the end they managed to resign, which is something that the national press seems to have forgotten about. Yes, e- yes, everyone still seems indeed. to say he was sacked, but sadly not. Yeah, far from it. Yeah, good. J- just, just taking that off a tangent, by the way, talking of keen, I believe, um, Cammy, you've got some interesting gossip in that area uh yeah um it's not my gossip it's someone who's been posting on twitter i think on our uh, on our message boards as well that it could possibly be coming on the uk tv show uh, i'm a celebrity get me out of here uh honestly that's the stuff of dreams for me i really wish he does come on because i'll be hitting that phone 24 7 to make sure he does every single bush trucker trial and eats every bug that that there's going <laughs> uh so I really hope that that rule is true, that he's coming on I'm a Celebrity. I think it starts next Sunday. Uh, so if he's there, I'll be watching it and I'll be making sure that he does every single trial going. As you say, that that would be the stuff of dreams. Everyone will be up in the loft, dragging out their old keen out balance and changing them to keen in, just so that we can prolong his agony a bit. Yeah, it'll be the first time we'll be voting keen in rather than keen out. <laughs> 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 and yeah, I was going to say huge bounty to any of the um, the Australian listeners we've got out there. If you can get a keen out banner in the jungle, then fair play yeah, to you. Yeah, that'd be the ultimate now. Get a fly a helicopter over the the jungle with keen out. 
<laughs> yeah, I was going to say with the um, with, with the, the Mullen protest group thing, um, if, if they can get the number for the plane that they have flying around, he would see if he see if he also covers covers the Australian outback. Yeah, well, hopefully it's true. We should know the list of contestants later this week, so uh, I really hope it is true. They do have yeah. usually do have someone well, from sport in in the jungle, so they're trying to get uh, some sports person in there. So maybe it's keen this year. That that it would be fantastic. It, I mean, that I just it, it, everyone was saying yesterday he's been very quiet. We expected him to be popping up. I mean, there are so many empty manager positions at the moment, and Keane's getting linked with none of them. So yeah. makes you wonder why. Yeah, yeah. Well, fingers crossed. That's what I can say. And going from the ridiculous to the sublime, the Darwin End has been renamed the Brian Douglas Darwin End in honour of. One of our famous sons, Brian Douglas, Dougie. Um, it's a fantastic announcement, fantastic news for uh, the club uh, and especially for uh, Brian uh, Douglas himself and uh, his uh, family and friends. Um, my dad actually went to school with Dougie. Uh, was uh, I, th- I think he was uh, my dad was a right full back, so. <laughs> Dougie used to play against him in the in the playground, uh, uh, and uh, uh, apparently it was absolute murder to get, to catch. So he used to just go around everyone all the time. But uh, yeah, great great to see Dougie honoured by the by the club at long long last. And uh, it comes after uh, the late Ronnie Clayton uh, had the uh, Blackburn end uh, named uh, in his honour uh, last year. Uh, so at opposite ends of the ground, we've now got uh, uh, Dougie and Ronnie. That's absolutely fantastic. Uh, Cammy? Yeah, uh, absolutely brilliant. Uh, you know, um, it's absolutely right that club legends uh, like you know Dougie and and, and Ronnie are recognised. Uh, so it's fantastic that the Blackman end is a Ronnie Clayton stand, and now the Darwin end is the the, the Dougie stand. So. Uh, really good by the club that they've done that. Uh, that they've um, you know that you know that club legends are finally getting some some recognition and and fair, you know the owners do take a bashing, but for this you know we need to praise them to say that that you know for for them to to do this and it's it's superb. Hopefully there'll be some kind of official ceremony. Uh, maybe even on Saturday at the at the Birmingham game where where he comes on the pitch. So so yeah, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and Eddie. Yeah, I think it's always nice whenever we can honour former players. Um, so I think it's a good move by the club, and it's nice to see some appreciation from the the owners and current management for you know the history of the club, and that we haven't just. I mean, the fear would be that we would just be selling off the name rights to. Um, various chicken brands around the world or something so it's nice that they're actually doing something that the fans might appreciate yeah that's good and uh, Glenn anything like this that brings you know that keeps that little bit of permanent history there that you know is, is a permanent re- reminder of of better days and of people that serve the club well you know is, is only a um, only a good thing as you know just as long as they keep it the, the day that I'm sat in the um, Cabadiawara away end I, I, I'm probably doing something wrong Anyway, it's uh, it's great news, great news to hear uh, about uh, Brian Douglas Darwin and it's uh, a good move by the club. Great. 
Well, that's all we have time for for today. Uh, just like to thank Glenn and Josh also uh, for taking care of the recording uh, and Josh for the uh, production of this podcast. Thank you ever so much to Cami uh, for taking part. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, everyone. And also to Eddie. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thanks. Well, that's all we have time for this week. We'll be back again, as usual, uh, next time. And in the meantime, wherever you are, do take care. And thank you for listening. Thank you.